All right, guys, we went a little long, as we said, in part one. So without further ado, here is part two of this week's Rich Eisen podcast post-Super Bowl 46 edition with Peter King and legend of the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. Great perspective coming up now on Super Bowl 46. He is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as one of his one of the uh, top writers of all time. He was the pool reporter all week long for everybody trying to find out what's going on on Giants practice and as one of the selectors for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Who better to give us fresh perspective on all these legacy questions we needed answering throughout the week than Peter King rejoining me here on my podcast. How are you, Peter? Great, Rich. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you for, for coming on. What? Let's just start off with the macro question. I asked Aikman the same thing I'll ask you. What are your uh, What are your thoughts now that we're on the backside of, uh, pro, of uh, Super Bowl 46? Well, I mean, I think it was a really fun game. It was the kind of game that you can dissect for weeks after uh, and, you know, with a lot of different angles. But I think, in essence, you know, the two things you take away, one from a Giant perspective, one from a Patriot perspective, uh, you know, the Giants, I think it's a cliche to say the Giants have the Patriots number, but, you know, in the last three times these two teams have played, Eli Manning has driven the Giants from behind, 83-80 and 88 yards, <laughs> to, to the winning touchdown in the final minute of the game. So what that says to me is Bill Belichick had better get a difference maker on defense because he doesn't have one right now. He's got some good players on defense. He doesn't have a Ray Lewis. He doesn't have a Troy Polamalu. He doesn't have a guy on his defense right now, who you look at and say, well, we better account for that guy on every snap. Vince Wilfork's close, uh, but he was he had a great game against the Ravens, and he was good, but oftentimes invisible in this game. And, you know, I, I think it just tells the Patriots that there's something missing on the, on that team. You know, and I'm a little surprised by the vitriol that has been uh, directed at Tom Brady, certainly from the, the Boston area. It's it's shocking to me, actually. Uh, I won't even mention the name of the columnist from, from the Boston Globe, who I'll be very honest with you, I'd never heard of. I don't say that just to dismiss him, uh, but I, I definitely dismiss what he had to write. Are you surprised about the vitriol that's been directed at Tom Brady after that loss? Well, look. You know, Tom Brady should have put more than 17 points on the board in this game. I mean, we all know that. It's, uh, you know, he certainly could have played better. His his throw, now the biggest thing that he did wrong in this game, in my opinion, is not even the safety, even though that safety uh, led them to a 9 to nothing deficit early. But the biggest thing he did wrong, in my opinion, was Without significant, he got away from pressure on the second play of the fourth quarter. Was standing, pumping the football to the right of the of the offensive line, and he had time. And he saw Rob Gronkowski forty yards downfield, and he had two steps on Chase Blackburn, who, by the way, is the slowest linebacker on the Giants. And he's down there covering the biggest tight end threat in the NFL even though he, uh, you know, obviously had a high ankle sprain in this game. But he underthrew him. It was a terrible throw. Uh, it was a big play in this game, and it really hurt the Patriots. Now, having said that, the ball, uh, you know, the ball that he threw to Wes Welker wasn't a perfect throw, but any time a receiver gets two hands on a ball, and it's right literally goes right through the palms of both hands, that is, that's a drop, pure and simple. Wes Welker should have had that ball. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and though it could have been a better throw, uh, you know, it was a drop. The Patriots dropped three passes in the last four minutes of the game. And I'm not saying any one of those would have made a difference in the final outcome, but certainly the Welker one would have. Um, but, I, I mean, Brady could have played better. But to lay this loss totally at his feet is ridiculous. Uh, as for the Giants, um, you, you were with them all week long. And, you know, we always hear in many ways uh, about Coughlin. It, it, it almost sounds like a caricature 
right? I mean, we've heard so many times yeah. about how disciplined he is and how tough he was with players and the, you know, the five minutes, uh, the, you're, you're late if you're not five minutes early, all of that stuff. But it, it, there's got to be more to him than just that. And you've been around him quite a bit. Can you put out there for the fans who this guy is and how he can relate to players four decades his junior? Yeah, I think one of the things that we miss sometimes when we look at Tom Coughlin is that, first of all, he's not the some cross between uh, a Marine and, you know, a stormtrooper. I mean, you know, he's a disciplined guy who is, uh, who gives players, in my opinion, what so many of them want and need, and that is discipline with the understanding that if you do things my way, we will win. And I remember when Bill Belichick left the Cleveland Browns, and Bob, I was just talking to Bob Kraft about this a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago. I ended up writing a story on him for the cover of SI last week. And he's the only guy in the world who still liked Bill Belichick once he got whacked by Art Modell. And, and part of his thinking was, this guy is so smart, and he's been around people who have won before. Uh, I'm going to give him a shot. He gave him a shot. I ended up liking him, and four years later, he was the head coach of his team. But I, I think what happens a lot of times, Rich, is that the cliche ends up becoming what happens, uh, what, what people end up believing out in the world. And until you win a Super Bowl, until you win a championship or more than one, a lot of people are going to say, see, your way doesn't work. Parcells used to say, if you don't have any pelts on the wall, nobody's going to listen to you. And right now, everybody's got to listen to Tom Coughlin. I find it incredibly interesting that in the last five years, three of those years, there's been a player poll done by either SI or somebody, you know, Sporting News, somebody, that has Tom Coughlin, the, the coach who players would least <laughs> like to play for. Well, I, I would, I'd like to see what that poll would be right now, because even though there's a bunch of guys on the Giants who sometimes roll their eyes at some of his rules, uh, I, I think they all like to play for him right now with a second ring on their finger. Yeah, but, and other than Spagnolo, nobody's really ever poached any of his coaches. Right, I mean, usually that yeah. happens left and right with a Super Bowl team. It took a year for that to happen with Green Bay, but um, it just well, seems. Ian Rich, I'll tell you this too. You know, some of his coaches, having been around him last week and watched four and a half hours of practice, I'll tell you two observations I came away with. You can just tell when a quarterback and a coordinator are talking uh, in between plays during practice, and then on the sidelines during practice. The reason that Kevin Gilbride, even though he has been at times really knocked by the giant fandom, you can tell how he and Eli, you know, basically can complete each other's sentences. Hmm. You know, they're out there on the field and talking and communicating and, and, you know, using hand motions and everything and, and, and sort of chuckling, laughing, all that sort of stuff. And you just say... These guys really get along well, and you can see why Eli likes playing for the guy. And, and I thought, by the way, Kevin Gilbride called a fantastic game. Uh, the only mistake he made, in my opinion, in this game is that he didn't say into Eli's helmet uh, with a minute seven to go, yeah. okay, listen, the Patriots might not try to tackle him, so if they don't, tell him he's got to go down at like the three-yard line. And, and, you know, that call came in a little too late. That's the only thing, when I look back at that game, that I can really fault Gilbride on. And, and, and one other thing, Rich. You know, the Giants really, I, I said this to, to, to Coughlin after the first day. I said, you know, it's interesting. Your guys love football. They love practicing. You know, not a lot of teams, when you go out there, like it was Wednesday afternoon, they hadn't practiced in a while, and you could just tell they were whooping and hollering and really having fun. And I made that comment, Coughlin said, yeah, you know, they, they haven't practiced in four days, and they just love doing this. And he said, that's one of the reasons why this team has been so much fun to coach. You don't have to drag guys out of the trainer's room. 
you know, guys are out there and they, they really like the game. And so that is one of the reasons why I kept hearing people saying, Jesus, if they win, will Coughlin retire? And first of all, I knew he wouldn't retire. And second of all, Coughlin was having so much fun this year with this team, even when they were losing, because they really liked to play and they came eager to practice every day. As for that Bradshaw play, uh, I'm a little surprised, too, about the second-guessing. I, I thought that was that was the Patriots' only play, was to let him score. Why, why no else question, would you, why else would you let them take right. it down for Lawrence Tynes, who's proven left and right that he can just kick it straight through? Right, I definitely get, But what I would have done if I were Belichick is I would have let him score with a minute seven to go right. so that you get the ball at the 20 with, let's say, a minute three to play and, and, uh, and two timeouts. Now, that would have been a little bit of a different story. I think Bill O'Brien might have called plays a little bit differently uh, if they had, say, 63 seconds to go, two timeouts. Maybe what they do in that situation is instead of going to sideline, 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 you, you throw a couple of balls right over the middle, take 12 yards, and go to the line, and, and, you know, you're able to use the clock a little bit more liberally. And so, I mean, if I'm Belichick and I'm looking back at that, I'm, I'm kicking myself for wasting the time out in about five, five extra seconds, too. Let's hit the legacy issues. Uh, to me, with Brady and Belichick, their first ballot Hall of Famers win or lose, the only thing online for them was uh, they were either Hall of Famers or maybe some of the greatest Hall of Famers to ever be put in the Hall of Fame when those guys are set for it. With Coughlin and Eli, that was that's the stuff right there, where you go from, well, you know, you've won a Super Bowl before, to this is the sort of resume-building uh, that's required to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Is Coughlin a, a Pro Football Hall of Famer in your estimation, Peter? I, I think he probably will be, Rich, but um, I, was, uh, I was pretty surprised uh, on Saturday being in, the, being in the meeting and seeing Bill Parcells not make it. I mean, at this point, you know, Bill Parcells and Tom Coughlin – I mean, you got to look at Parcells and say he's got a better resume than Coughlin. And Parcells didn't make it to the final five. Why? Uh, this, let's let's this just take that right there. I don't know if you can tell any great, tales out of school, great, but I can't really tell tales out of school other than the fact that I think that there are those in the room who just aren't that impressed with what Parcells did, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's and crazy. at least aren't as impressed. As as I am, you know. Let's say, but you know, Rich Coughlin is twenty nine wins behind Parcells, and Parcells also has the the benefit of leading two different teams to the Super Bowl, winning two, and uh, and and then leading two other teams to the playoffs. So while I agree with you, I think that someday Coughlin will have a very favorable. Hall of Fame resume, and that plus the fact I think he's going to coach at least another two or three years. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think I think I'm not saying all bets are off, but some bets are off uh, because of what happened to Bill Parcells the other day when I thought he was a pretty logical, uh, uh, you know, candidate, and and I thought he would get in. Uh, and he didn't, so we'll just have to see what happens. I, I mean, there's, there's just no question about it, and I don't think I'm biased because I'm from Staten Island, New York, and I saw what he did firsthand. Uh, but it's just every place he's been, he's left the place better. He left it earlier than than people expected, which might have ruffled some feathers. And but every place Parcells went, he left it better. He totally righted the ship. He also left goodies behind for everybody. He didn't just leave it in tatters and had somebody else have to rebuild it. Dallas is a perfect example with Romo, Demarcus, right. where so on and so forth. And then in this day and age where everybody laments about you know uh, players who or, who. Who, ex- who expect stuff that don't try to earn it, Parcells reinstituted that basically in so many different spots. And then the, the, the coaches he has left behind the tree from Peyton to the two guys in the Super Bowl, it just, I don't know. I, I can't understand that people don't see that. 
I don't either. Um, and you just have to hope that in the next year or two or three, uh, that um, that people will see it. But again, it's like I say to people all the time: I can, my vote counts one out of forty-four. Right. And uh, I have my opinion, uh, and sometimes people agree with me. Sometimes people don't. Just a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, okay. What about what about changing the rules for the voting? Well, I know you could only take five modern day candidates, and you took all of them. But you didn't. The, the selectors uh, only chose one of the maximum two for the veterans committee. When that happens, don't you think that perhaps you guys should just sit back down again and let another modern day candidate in instead of just leaving a seat empty on the podium come August? Well, I mean, there's no rule that says you have to have seven in every year, and I don't mind when. Uh, when the class is less, because, Rich, quite honestly, you know, there's so much, uh, you used the word vitriol earlier, there's so much vitriol directed at the voters for the Hall of Fame for leaving people out, but that's one of the things that makes the Hall of Fame uh, exclusive and as good as it is. And I get a lot of email from people who say, you're letting too many people in. It's got to be more of an exclusive club. So I, I understand what people are saying. I think it's different than baseball because in baseball, you only have nine uh, starting players every day. And in football, uh, you have, depending if you count kickers and punters, you have, you have 24. So I, I think it's a little bit different. And I think you should have more in, but I, I don't necessarily think you ought to get seven in every year. I don't think it's bad to have odd-numbered classes. And, um, you know, there has been a lot of debate over the last few years about whether it's fair to have two uh, senior committee candidates, um, you know, instead of having, say, one senior committee candidate and, for instance, uh, a front office guy, a general manager, a contributor, a coach or something like that. So, I mean, I'm up for that debate. I'm not necessarily up for the debate that says that you have to put in seven every year. And, Eli, there's a raging debate in the latter half of the post-Super Bowl week as to whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. Kurt Warner said no as of right now, that uh, that his two Super Bowl years were basically his best years and everything else has been very inconsistent right. in between them. Would you agree with that assessment? I think I would at this point, but Rich, I always say this about when somebody asks me in mid-career if a guy is a Hall of Famer. There aren't many players, there aren't many quarterbacks, let's say, you can probably count them on one hand, who, if they never played another snap at the age of 31, you would say they were Hall of Famers. Right. I mean, you'd probably be able to say that about Tom Brady, you'd probably be able to say that about Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, but I mean, there aren't many, and honestly, I mean, Eli Manning, uh, you know, has been a good to very good regular season player in his eight years in the NFL. He's not been a great regular season player. Now, these last two playoff runs, actually two out of the last three, because in 2008, the Giants were one and done in a terrible loss to the Eagles where they were awful. But in 2007 and 2011, he's had two of the greatest playoff runs that a quarterback has ever had. I mean, how many quarterbacks, <laughs> I mean, it's zero. How many quarterbacks in NFL history have had two, you know, last-minute drives, you know, two-minute drives, basically, to win Super Bowls. I mean, no one is like Manning. Nobody's done it twice. And also have to, so, and also have to win in Lambeau Field each time just to gain the Super Bowl. Year. I, against guys who, I mean, Favre's going to the Hall of Fame and, and, uh, and Aaron Rodgers, the way he's playing now, sure has a good chance. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's on the track to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think he's got to do a little more right now. And lastly, as we move forward, now we're heading to the Combine free agency. Obviously, Peyton Manning, that's the story that everybody's going to be zeroing in on. Can you handicap for us how you think this is going to play out from here on out, Peter? Well, just you know, just reading the tea leaves, uh, I, my guess is that 
he and Jimmy Ursay are going to sit down fairly soon, uh, have a discussion. When I talked to Ursay a week or so ago, it sounded like they might be more than once uh, because they'll have a lot to talk about. But, um, I, I mean, obviously I think he's going to leave Indianapolis, he's going to play somewhere else in 2012. Um, I would start the betting with uh, Washington and Miami, and then after that, I would look at the Jets in Arizona. Uh, Washington and Miami, because they have very aggressive owners. Uh, Mike Shanahan and uh, and Peyton are, I'm not saying they're friends, but there's a lot of mutual respect there. Um, Stephen Ross probably would stop at nothing to get them. <laughs> yes. But I think, I think one of those teams, I think Miami's probably going to go hard after Matt Flynn. So obviously, if they go hard after Matt Flynn, they'll be out of the Peyton Derby. Um, and you just can never eliminate the New York Jets and Woody Johnson from this thing. I, you know, Rich, I'll never forget, I was sitting at a minor league baseball game in the summer of 2008 when the Brett Favre thing was, uh, was in full bloom. And I had just been to Favre's house like a week earlier and Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager of the Jets, knew that I knew Favre well. And I, this was the night before I was going to go see the Carolina Panthers. And I'm sitting in a minor league baseball game in Kannapolis, North Carolina, and my phone rings. And it's a desperate-sounding Mike Tannenbaum asking me, just tell me about Favre. What's his mindset now? What, what's he thinking about? What? And so, I mean, and all I can think now is, with the Giants winning the Super Bowl, with the Patriots having really put the Jets in their places this year, with a lot of internal question now about Mark Sanchez, that team's going after Peyton Manning, or else I have no football instincts whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic, Peter. But I mean, back in '08, though, pulling the ripcord on the Chad Pennington era was a lot. E- would be a lot easier than pulling the ripcord on the Sanchez era, and you know Peyton Manning too. Do you think Peyton wants any part of that drama that's going on there right now to finish well, up his probably, career? Probably, probably not. I'm not saying he'll go there. Right. I'm saying that I think they'll go after him. And look, you know, obviously Mark Sanchez has a better chance to be the quarterback long-term than Chad Pennington did. But the difference is, uh, you know, Chad... Chad Pennington was not coming off the kind of season that Mark Sanchez just had, with this incredible hope and uh, and all this all this belief that they were going to go deep into the playoffs and to be as disappointing as they were, and for Sanchez to be as disappointing as he was. So you know, to me, I look at them. I don't know if they'll get him. I still think it makes the most sense to me anyway for him to go to Washington. Uh, but I, I'm just telling you, I'd be very, very surprised if the Jets were on the sidelines in right. this one. Well, if he goes to Washington, that means he plays his brother twice a year. Talk about draw. I mean, Fox would be well, all over that, and I'm sure NBC wanted part of that, well, too. Yeah, you know, as, as I said the other day, uh, yesterday in my column, when somebody raised this issue, the reason why Washington makes so much sense if Manning goes there is that you know, for the opening game of the season on Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, I think September 6th. The reason it makes so much sense is that it still leaves Fox with one Washington Giants game, uh, one Manning versus Manning game uh, that they wouldn't have taken away from him. And, you know, I'll also say this. Washington will also be in the market this year for at least one wide receiver. And how amazing would it be right, if they mean. go out and get Mario Manningham? Mario Manningham, right. I don't think I don't think the Giants are gonna pay Mario Manningham big money. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know the Redskins say jump in there three years twenty five million if they end up with Manningham and the other Manning. Oh, wow. I mean, in the fact, we just had Mario on before. He wanted no part of that discussion. He didn't even want to discuss <laughs> He wanted no part. Well, I'll tell you, he, he, you know, Rich, he's, he's a really good guy, and he'll, wherever he goes, because I, I just don't see him back with the Giants. I, I, don't think, I don't think you can pay your third receiver 
seven million dollars a year. Yeah, you just right. you're just not going to do that. And and you know there are some teams that you look out there who really need a receiver. And I'll tell you, Washington could could basically damage the Giants and help themselves by going to get Manningham. Yeah, I mean, what about Reggie Wayne, Peter? Right? Yeah, I mean Reggie Wayne is also going to leave Indianapolis. So I think Indianapolis, if they could sign one of those really good veteran guys, it's going to be uh, Robert Mathis. I hear you. I think they want to keep Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney together for another two years. Well, I look forward to seeing you back in Indianapolis. How about that? Everybody has to go back to that uh, that wonderful town that crushed it. I mean, they absolutely oh, they killed it. it. They killed it. Was, it, was, it was fun. I, I was telling everybody, Rich, when they said, oh, my God, we got to go to Indianapolis. And I said, you guys are you guys are really wrong. So you're gonna like Indianapolis. It's not a, a show place, but you're gonna love it because everything's so close, you can walk everywhere and you know, the the blessing that we never counted on was the weather being as good as it was. I know, especially since the zip line wouldn't have been good if people were in ten degree Gore Tex wearing uh zip line weather. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know I mean it definitely would have had that Olympic village feel to it. But I look forward to seeing you back there for the combine, Peter. Let's let's grab a mule for sure there. Sounds great, Rich. You take care. You bet. That's none other than the Hall of Famer, Peter King, joining me here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Wow. If if uh, Peyton Manning plays for Washington, Oof. that means he's against his brother twice. Yes. A year. If he plays for Miami, he's against Brady twice a year, Jets twice a year. Yeah. Currently, right now, the Jets are the last team to beat Peyton Manning. They knocked him out of the playoffs. Now, shoot, two years ago. Yeah. And, um, and he hasn't played since. And all of this stuff is dependent on his his nerve regenerating or not. I still think he's I, not coming back. I don't think he's coming back either. You know, so I think you, if are, he are gets you channeling traded. your inner Rob Lowe on me right uh, now? No, it's just if you you know he's he's made a, a great career. He's got it. He's got television nailed he as opposed to career game. And you're not dealing game. with a, he loves the game. And I saw him it. backstage at the NFL Honors. Yeah. He didn't have a care in the world. No. You know, I think he knows what he knows what's coming. Oh. Uh, I mean, he may not know when his nerves going to regenerate, but. He's the, he'll be done with the Colts and somebody. I mean, Marshall said this when we were on uh, Radio Row talking about it. He thinks that they're, uh, when we were talking about how the Colts are going to be release him or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, but who's going to pick him up? He says there are at least three owners right now screaming at oh, their yeah. television set saying, I will do that. Yeah. But then, of course, there's the reality of it, you know, that uh, trainers are going to have to kick the tires and coaches are going to have to see him throw. I mean, there's going to be a Peyton Manning pro day at some you're gonna point, need essentially. A good, you're going to need a good Is there backup. a clause in that contract, too? There's no, but, and, and you know, our, you see reports all around. It'll be just incentive-laden contracts. You're going to want another backup. That he won't, that you, know, you just have to pay him a little bit of money now, whatever your concept of little is, right? right. I don't know, it could be Mitt Romney little, right, or, or whatever. But, I mean, a I'll little. I'll you $10,000 right now. That. So it's a little bit of money, oh you know, um, now. And if he plays, it just, you know, it, it increases exponentially. But that was incredible how much we were talking about that Super Bowl week. I, I thought for I sure know. we'd be done with it on Wednesday and Thursday. And then Wednesday comes the release. I know. A Thursday comes the release from his doctor. Right. Saying he's cleared to play medically. And then Ursay says, but we didn't. You know. Yeah. I mean, from, uh, by the way, in a tweet at one thirty in the morning. That guy doesn't care. And then comes, and then comes the press release. You know, it says team release comes right. Friday. And then it, the press release comes Friday. Did you guys see this press release? With I the did. picture? With the picture. Yeah. The press release comes Friday about, hey, everything's fine between me and Peyton Manning. And right. they've included a photograph from, a, from the party the night before. Where Peyton standing next to Jim Ursay. And there were a bunch of other people in right. the picture. Like, who are these people in the picture? One of them was the former senator, Evan Bayh. And then the, there are two people who look awfully familiar on, on the ends. On the end. One was John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was Meg Ryan. Who wow. are apparently together. Right yeah, now. apparently right. now. I imagine really? that's how they are together. Wow. Meg Ryan. Now, if the only Ryan that you thought would be Super Bowl week, Rex. Matt. Matt. Not Meg. But there's Meg Ryan front and center in this whole Peyton Manning thing. I mean. Amazing. Holy crow. I fancy myself a big Meg Ryan fan. She gets coffee. You know? she's, Why not? She's, she's got I mean, a little but too That's what I love about the, uh... Super Bowl week. You just never know. Meg Ryan will be in a Peyton Manning-related press release on Friday. Flavor what? Flav will be hugging Tom Coughlin on Sunday. Vanilla Ice was running vanilla, around, Vanilla too. Ice was running around. Media, because, media Well, no, the reason why, he's in the next Sandler movie. Oh, gotcha. So I, t- I got a picture with Ciara. Um, in in uh, during the game, she's in the movie too. Right? She's in the movie yeah. too. 
And behind behind us, you can see the background is Vanilla Ice. Rob Van Winkle. Nice. You never know who's who showing it, up. Let me tell you something. I watched Madonna's halftime show, a one row behind Vanilla Ice, and I thought to myself, this is the only way to do it, right? <laughs> because they dated, I think, back in the 80s. Yes. Did they really? They yes, did. Yes, what? they what? did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Wow. That and, question never came And out. a halftime show, if you had, uh, I, I would have definitely taken the under on number of shirtless gladiators during the halftime show. So I was right there. I was where they were all the coming halls. out. I'm like, what, what I was, saw you what like right at that on? point, too. I saw Chris, and I was like, then they're walking by with oil, and it was like, what we just died. Week. We were dying. This was, this is a, I mean, this week was ridiculous. Yeah. It's the, I love it. was it, my though. first ever Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, you, I mean, the bar's been raised pretty high. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're going to New Orleans next year, too. They, I mean, oh. uh, there was some a lot of crazy stuff going oh. on this week. Can't wait for New Orleans. Nuts. It was great. Totally they did nuts. So, so well. Yeah, they did. They did. They did. They did. And now comes so well. the, and we're going back for the combine. Are yeah. you not, you're not going for the combine, I'm now right? out. I'm going to stay here and man the ship on the And TV we're going to try and get Jim Moore on Sr. On the, uh, on, the, uh, on the red carpet for the Academy Awards. who have already told us no. We were too late in our... I, uh, I kind of dropped the ball on that one. You didn't drop the ball, I'm the sure. Well, deadline. Well, we, we came up we'll with this idea really late, We did. We did. Well, I'll see what I'll see what, what strings this podcast. We can, can just pull. gorilla it and just show up, dude. You can't just gorilla <laughs> the Academy Awards. Oscar. I've worked them exactly. You can't just walk up to red the red carpet. carpet. I've done that. If Come we on. do it, I've worked does, them. You does can't. Mora go tux or no tux? I I, I think it's up to him. I, say, I think I think what he should do is you know full on headset and all that stuff. But I I, I don't want to Biff Henderson him. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Like he's not Biff. Did you see he's Biff? still a coach. He's still coach. Biff kissed the trophy as it was walking by on TV. Let me tell you something, it. man. <laughs> Biff Henderson, uh I was covering, you know, at, at ESPN that's all I did was World Series. And um here I am post Subway series, the Jet, uh, Mets and the, and the Yankees, yes, two thousand yep. World Series. And I'm trying to get to Paul O'Neill trying to get to him. I got the ESPN credentials. We're on field, one of the first on the field. I can't. Paul O'Neill is talking to somebody. I have to wait for him to be finished with the interview. It was Biff. And I'm like, I cannot believe. <laughs> I just waited. I'm waiting I, for Biff Henderson to get through with this stuff. I think I, I the only reason believe. I know that story is when we had the Stengel brothers on. You, yeah. After you were done, you told, told him about that. Story. that. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so Biff, I, I saw him pre, pre-game too. Um, and there was some bit that was going on about how this this game was similar to four years ago, and they wanted to have like a flashback, quote unquote, flashback to four years ago. So they gave me a wig and a mustache, and I put that on. And there's I I, I tweeted out a photograph of that as well of me with Biff with a with a wig and a mustache, and I guess that appeared on briefly on um, on uh, Tuesday night show. On Letterman, nice. so it was. I mean, it's just that's what I, I love about this Super Bowl. It is an absolute carnival. It's a convention. You never know who's there. Did you see the uh, the moment where they showed uh, in the crowd? They were showing stars, and they showed Seal, and they put recording mm-hmm. artist Seal up, and mm-hmm. sitting right next to Seal is Strahan, and Strahan kind of had that look like you're going to fought Seal before me. I know, right? Giants I know, game. It's like a Giants game. And then and then they fought <laughs> Strahan, and he was like, yeah, was, everyone's uh, talking about Rush being up to his knuckle. You heard about that? Rush Limbaugh, they showed a shot. <laughs> you didn't see that? No. I didn't see it either. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it. Rush, Rush was in Craft's uh, uh, suite, uh, and he was up to his knuckle. Good one. Yep. You didn't know? You didn't hear, I didn't hear yeah, about that at all. It's I an unfortunate moment, an unfortunate moment when you're caught in front of 110 million people. Would you rather be Rush doing that or a couple years ago, A-Rod getting fed popcorn by Cameron Diaz? Good question. I'll take the Cameron Diaz feed. I don't, I don't know. That's I pretty think, emasculating. Yeah. Rush has more zeros than A-Rod. That's true. <laughs> that is true. And that's a lot of zeros that A-Rod has. Right. Yes. And, of course, A-Rod's name was brought up to Madonna in the press conference oh, because geez. of the centaur. The centaur. Oh, photo. the painting that yep, he's the got, painting. right? Yeah, yes. of him as a centaur. And I like the response. I bet he has one on his wall. Uh, yeah, like I know, it was, <laughs> like, I know of me draped across a horse or whatever. I loved it. All right, let's get to Brock Meyer. Here we go. Finish up this podcast. All right, now back on the Rich Eisen podcast once again is a legend from the booth himself, a Hall of Fame announcer, none other than Jim Brock Meyer here post-Super Bowl. How are you, Jim? 
I am great, Rich Eisen. If I were any better, I'd be I'd be squirting things out. In different <laughs> we places. can't have that though. No, we, that we, would be that would be wrong. We so, can't have that. Very kind of you to have me here again. I look forward to it. I really do. <laughs> well, you're here for the plays of the playoffs. Now that the postseason is all over, you're here September, October, November, and December. You've been you've been so kind to make yourself available for this podcast, Jim. Thank you so much. I don't have much that. else going on, Rich Eisen, <laughs> as don't. you know. So uh, okay. this, I'm hoping this leads to other stuff, and if it does. By the way, you will never see me again. <laughs> but uh, so far, it hasn't. So here I am. Okay. I'm very excited. So, what are your thoughts on uh, Super Bowl Forty Six? Eli Manning did it mm. again. What are your Eli. thoughts? Eli, Eli, Eli. Uh, I think it's wonderful. I'm very happy for him. You know, I just people keep being surprised by his success. Mm. I don't. I don't get it. You know, the man. He's he's won at every level. He's. Uh, you know, he's uh, from a quarterback royalty family. No doubt. He, he thrives in the, in the toughest market there is, let's face it. You know, and yet people still are, you know, uh, flabbergasted when it does well. I think there can only be one reason for that. One, you know what, what, what it is? No, what is it? What you is know it? what it is? No. He's a mouth breather. <laughs> That's the problem he encounters in life. He's like, oh. it looks like this. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah, they're, you know, little known, uh, little known <laughs> group that's targeted for discrimination. But they are. No, they are. They really are. They have trouble getting loans. They have, you know, trouble getting work. People uh, think they're, they doubt their intelligence, you mm-hmm. know, because they, they breathe through the mouth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just hope that this second win, I hope it strikes a blow from mouth breathers everywhere. I really do. And it just proves they can do anything. Except I, I really, I, I, st- I don't want uh, any of those mouth breathers to date my sister or my daughter. <laughs> I don't I, that I don't want, but so, I'm happy that they excel in the chosen. So, chosen so it hasn't really struck in a, a blow with you. I mean, no, you I'm still happy he's, exceed, he's right, right. excelling in his career. Right. Just don't touch my sister. Right. Where where'd you watch the game, Jim? What's what's the Jim Brockmeyer Super Bowl party? We like? had quite a time. I yeah. like to blow it out. We rented a, uh, a baseball stadium. I you know I love baseball. Yes, it's I my do first love. Uh-huh. I'm the jumbotron. Uh-huh. We watched it, and what a group of people we had. Eddie Mecca from. Uh, <laughs> From Laverne and Shirley. Lola Falana was there. She was my date for the evening. I broke up. Do you know that I broke up with Joey Heatherton to be with Lola Falana? No, I had no idea. That's Jim. what happened. Wow, those were the days. <laughs> yeah. So that, you were. That, that was last Tuesday. <laughs> what do you mean those were the days? Okay. Yeah. So, so you were in a we baseball stadium. Oh, Chad your... Everett was there oh, from yeah. Medical Center. Man, he wore tight. I used to like his tight medical pants. Yeah. You don't see many doctors with tight, tight scrubs. No. No, Chad Everett had him. And he was at your Super Bowl party He was as there. Well. We had it on the Jumbotron. It nice. was, Phyllis Diller was there. Oh, really? Yeah. Nobody got along with her. <laughs> but uh, she was there. Right. Terrific. And, uh, Fang, her husband, Fang. Fang. Man, is she funny. What funny story she tells about <laughs> Fang. Her husband. So um, it was uh, quite a blowout. No, I'd imagine so. I'd yeah. imagine so. They didn't have to call the cops on you, did they? Yeah, well, sure they did. did they? It's not, <laughs> they yeah, of course down. they did. They well, we, were, we didn't ask permission to be at the at the baseball. <laughs> that's field. the problem. We just got trespassing. We broke in, and <laughs> brought a six pack of beer, and uh, oh, you know man. went a little uh, went a little crazy, little and then, crazy. then we got shuttled out. Yeah, no. then we all went back to Lola's house that's, and watched the rest of it. Oh, great, terrific. That's yeah. what Super Sunday is all about. But I, again, I know you're. Uh, you're a baseball guy, but what now? I mean, there's so many. Can you help the sports fan? I get a lot of I get a lot of tweets. I get a lot of folks telling me that they don't know what to do now that the NFL season is over. So, so what now? I, I feel the pain. I do as a void for a lot of people when football goes away. Uh, you know, um, I you know I I return to you. I return to my first love, which is baseball, yeah. as you mentioned. I mm-hmm. mean, I suppose we could all try. You know, filling the time with our family and friends, but we we all know that won't work. So uh, I don't know. I know. You know. I guess it makes me outdated, kind of, to look forward to baseball, look forward to pitchers and catchers, which I do. But you know, call me outdated. I still I look forward to the new phone book, and uh, I still try to buy music legally. So you know, what do you? What can you say about me? But I, I uh, you know, I guess what what people are going to be like you. I guess most most people who tune into this podcast, yeah. all, all seven of them. Uh, are probably going to count the days until that football scouting combine mm-hmm. happens, right? Where and that's where, of course, young young college uh, athletes uh, run around with their shirts off while uh, while old men take detailed notes and snap <laughs> pictures of them. And that, that did I make that sound a little creepy? Uh, no, not at all. No, well, if I did, it's because it is very very creepy. <laughs> It's extraordinarily creepy. The that's one way to that's one way to look at it. So um, let's get to the 
moment that uh, we've all been waiting for. The plays. Let's get to the plays of the playoffs. Let's do it. There were some. There were some great ones, weren't there? Some sparklers. They were. Here yeah. are the plays of the playoffs from none other than Jim Brockmeyer. Let's do it. All right, folks. Here we go with the top ten plays of the playoffs. Let's start. Let's kick it off, if you will, with number 10. Tom Brady drops back to pass, but the Giants' secondary holds, and with Justin Tuck breathing down on him, Brady fires to nobody. And just like that, everyone's Super Bowl party got off to a really boring start. Describing the rules of intentional grounding and the fact that a safety is worth two points is pretty much the only way to make football boring. So thanks a lot, Tom, for that national buzzkill. Top play number nine. Andy Dalton tries to throw it to the sideline, but instead it's a pick six for a defensive lineman, J.J. Watt. And here's the replay. Watt reaches up and snags it with his big old paws like Dalton threw a ham to a hungry bear. But, you know, the thing I find most remarkable about this clip was that I had already forgotten the Bengals were in the playoffs this year, didn't you? I mean, apparently that actually happened in the very recent past. So congratulations to Cincinnati for a successful season that made absolutely no impression on anybody. Number eight. The very best performance of this postseason was by who else? Tom Brady, six touchdowns versus the Denver Broncos. And, man, did he make it look easy. He may not have won the Super Bowl, but he is still the personification of a winning lottery ticket, is he not? I mean, the man is freakishly handsome. He gets to make love with his supermodel wife and what I'm guessing in a giant Ugg-boot-shaped bed. So nobody should ever say that he lost anything, especially not you, Rich Eisen, especially not you. Ah, sorry I went off there, but you had that come. You sit here and you lord it over everybody, and I'm tired of it. I think your listeners are too, and both your watchers. All right, number seven. All right, now the most exciting play came from the most exciting game this postseason. Nobody thought Alex Smith was a wartime consigliere, but with 09 seconds left, he throws a bullet to Vernon Davis for the game-winning touchdown. Let's check out the replay as Roman Harper seems to have a beat on Davis, but instead Harper bounces off of him like he ran into a wall made of human muscle. Mama, full grandpa, tell her about Aunt Lucille because that was one heck of a play. Okay, number six. Right before halftime, the Packers think they've stopped Eli just outside of field goal range, but the Giants have the perfect play and dial up the old Eli special in the huddle. That's when Eli throws it as far as he can while the receiver traps the ball against his helmet. Touchdown! The Packers, they really, they should have seen that coming because other than awkwardly staring off into space, that is what Eli does best. All right, number five. And now the best play from the overtime Giants-Niners thriller. Alex Smith drops his pass right over Antrail Roll into the arms of Vernon Davis, who then outruns Will Everybody for a 73-yard touchdown. My goodness, my, oh my, a man that big should not be able to run that fast, should he? Go ahead and pose, Vernon, go ahead. When I set my personal record of having completed the act of making love three times in one day, I immediately did a pantsless victory lap around the lobby of the Best Western. So go for it. Number four. All right, Tim Tebow got the playoffs off to a great start with this 80-yard strike on the first play of overtime to Demarius Thomas, who else, which ended the Steelers' season. Tebow's breakout year had a little something for everybody. You know, with Tebow, you, you just you knew that you never knew what you were going to get, which, which made him a lot of fun to watch. He's like a polite version of Russian roulette, isn't he? Number three. Rich Eisen, here comes the strangest winning touchdown, let alone in a Super Bowl, that you are ever going to see. First, the Patriots' defense goes through the motions like my wife during the latter part of our marriage. And then Bradshaw tries to sit down at the one, but but he can't for, for some reason. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich Eisen, but this is the only Super Bowl winning play that looks like a toddler ran for the toilet and came up short. Am I right? I mean, that is hilarious. Yes. Enjoy the trophy, Ahmad, because that clip is going to embarrass you for the rest of your living days and probably after. All right, let's go with number two. All right, I'm excited for this one, Rich Eyes. And here is Billy Cundiff as he sets up a 32-yard field goal to send the AFC Championship game to overtime. Okay, center of the field could not be easier, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Mama, bake a pie and give it to Grandpa because Cundiff gagged and pushed it wide left. Now, my excitement aside, people probably thought I was pleased to see a kicker fail so publicly. Well, you are wrong. I was ecstatic, all right? I had to consult my doctor because Cundiff's missed kick gave me an a- 
that lasted more than four hours. And the top play. Now let's take a look at the best play of the Super Bowl and the play that changed the game. Eli is backed up at his own 12-yard line, but he tosses it 38 yards to Mario Manningham. And look at that catch. Yes, he does get both feet down. Someday Mario can show his grandchildren that play and feel proud. I mean, of course, if society as we know it still exists in the distant future. But even if it's transformed into a road warrior-like hellscape where hordes of cannibals rule the streets, I still think that his feral grandchildren will be able to appreciate the beauty of that play. I know I do. Wow. Uh, Jim, I, I think you saved the best for last. Just you like the so? Super Bowl, yeah. Just like the Super Bowl, you brought your A game and it reached a crescendo. This is the best plays of the month or what have you that we've, we've done. So thanks for doing that. that well, was, I worked very hard, Richard. And thank you for sure. saying that. And as always, I'm a great admirer of yours oh, and, man, and what please. you do in this uh, strange little room. That's right. You're too kind. Hey, do you have anything you... else besides this in this strange no, little room? No, I've got nothing else in this strange room. This is all you do. This is all I do in here. No other yeah. behavior. I sometimes, no, I sometimes sleep in here. You do? Yes. This is my hyperbaric chamber when I'm not doing the podcast. Oh, is it healthy for you? It's very healthy. It's very oxygen filled. Uh, Anytime I I pull a a muscle or something, I just come in here and I sleep. You got an ionic breeze going in here? (laughs) I I have an ionic breeze. Fantastic. Yeah, you should get one. No wonder your skin has such a healthy glow. (laughs) It's a reddish hue. (laughs) I I do notice I look better when I leave here. Yeah, there you go. Uh, That's what I I try to leave you in a better spot. Speaking of a reddish hue and a reddish glow, uh, Tom Coughlin, the the coach of the Giants, before I let you go, did you see after he was done being interviewed by Deion Sanders and Marshall Falk on the network, Flavor Flav, the rapper, gave him a hug. And I I, I know you're you're a man of pop culture. You're a man of, of sports, too. Uh, was that was that strange to you at all? Seeing Coughlin and Flavor Flav hug one another? Uh, no, I, you know. Well, it's strange when Coughlin hugs anybody. I guess <laughs> uh, even his wife finds that weird when he hugs uh, his wife. Uh-huh. That makes her uncomfortable. Did you know that? Uh, even a private displays of affection. No, he, she doesn't like it. Yeah, okay. It's Coughlin. It's uh, like it's it's weird. I don't know. You're a coach. It's you're an old coach. It's weird. <laughs> right. That's what she says to him. Right. Uh, but there is actually a great tradition of uh, of uh, you know uh, soulful stars, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, hugging coaches. I no. don't Remember, oh, really? Oh, absolutely. I remember uh, I was at a party one time, and uh, uh, Isaac Hayes uh, uh, kissed Tom Langer right on the ear. Gave him a little nibble <laughs> on the ear. Yeah. That, they were both pretty wasted. That, <laughs> did that happen? No, really? yeah, I saw that happen with my own two eyes. And... Uh, and then you know Isaac Hayes, he was remember he, at the at the Oscars one year he sang Shaft mm-hmm. and he was naked except he had one uh, was wearing a big chain. Okay, Landry he convinced Landry to don that garb. Mm-hmm. Landry still had the hat on, <laughs> so but uh, he had the same thing, but just the hat. Yeah, they get the a big hug, big hug, and uh, and then the little kiss happened. And this was after a game after the Cowboys won and Isaac Hayes was right there on the field. And I think it was uh, it was a post game celebration. It was mm-hmm. a big old party yeah, mm-hmm. in Dallas. No kidding. Yeah, I've seen it. There's a lot. A lot of weird hookups between uh, uh, what's uh, like uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Once mm-hmm. they all the whole, all of Sly and the Family Stone, right? They kind of all uh, they kind of all gathered around um, uh, Bear Bryant one time. Really? Yeah. Sly and the Family Stone yes. and Bear Bryant. Yeah, they had like a weird circle. They held hands and they kind <laughs> of a sixties kind of loving. No but, kidding. Yeah. Ah, so so I guess Coughlin and Flavor Flav was just a uh, this generation's version of. The first time I saw something like it, yeah. you know, I thought it was weird. But uh, mm. like when, uh, when when Weeb Eubanks and the guy from the Commodores got together, <laughs> that was weird. Lionel Richie, uh, they actually hooked up. Is that right? Yeah, they hooked no up. No kidding. Yeah, With yeah. Chuck Knoll or somebody yeah, like that? Or... Knoll, I never saw a uh, befriend uh, a, a popular uh, recording artist. No, not no, at I never all. saw I'm, that happen. No, okay. not Knoll. Not Knoll. So, so Coughlin and Flavor Flav is uh, that's nothing old hat. No. So that's why I have you in here, Jim. You you lend perspective and and. Um, and you're the man. You're, you're one of the best. So I got thank you for doing it. Thank you. It's been a true honor and pleasure to thank be you. here. Uh, it really has, you know, all kidding aside, mm-hmm. it's been very good for my career. But oh, I've, I've truly you. enjoyed it. Your staff here is wonderful. Everybody is a true profession. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to, it, it's meant so much to me. Could we get a little hug? Could we hug it out again? I, sort of like a know, flavor flavor compliment. Yeah, let's do it. This is wonderful. You know, I'm going to say something to you if I could. In all seriousness, I've only ever said to Vern Den Herder, Preston Denard, and Herbie Billish. Yes. Let's that? kiss. Can no, no, no. All right. It worked on them. <laughs> worked, worked on Vern Dan Herder. <laughs> and Preston Denard. Yes. <laughs> Jim Brockmeyer, everybody, on the Rich Eisen podcast. Very happy to be here. Oh, my goodness. That was the best Brockmeyer yet. He and again, as always, we should, uh, we should direct our audio 
uh, our listeners to the blog, right, for the full audio visual of, of the Brockmire top ten plays? Absolutely. Right? TV, we did a top five for the for the website. There's a full top ten. And so that's going to be on, on our, on our on, blog page. Yep, RichEisen.NFL.com. Along with your video of Eli after the game. Yeah, the, right? uh, yep. Eli. Did you, now, you said you were you were you saw Belichick after the game too. Yeah, so we were we had to we were shooting stuff, but it had to get back to Culver here really quickly. So we were going up to the tunnel to our little broadcast compound and uh, file transferring it back. A lot of stuff you don't care about, but we were in, in the midst of coming back and forth about forty five minutes after the game. It was just me and uh, former producer of this podcast, Matt Lathrop. Yep. Uh, walking up, no security around him. Belichick comes out in his suit, uh, and his son that is there, who you know we know from a football life. Yep. And just the two of them, no one else, just walking up the tunnel, kind of perfect, perfect photo op to get that moment, but you don't want to take the photo. And uh, we're walking about eight feet behind him, and Belichick just, you know, about ten paces in, puts his arm around his son and pulls him in, kind of one of those, there'll be another day. Uh, pull wow. like every wow. every little morsel on my body just goosebumps everywhere. I just it was kind of cool. I just got so yeah. wow. It, you know, it, it it was a very very cool moment. Something I'll take yeah. away. And then they went off to shirtless dance to Katy Perry. Fist yeah. pump like or a not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or not. But Speaking of which, my hotel room is right across the street from that. Two that straight was nights, loud. Three in the morning. It's I know. Pumping. I know. And and so I, I I called downstairs. I'm like, you know, it's this is three in the morning before Super Sunday, and I've got nine What's hours. Your call time that day. Yeah, my call like time was seven. It was a quarter to seven or seven a.m. Four for a not for an eight and a half hour show. Jeez. Okay, and um, you know, I, I I'm like calling downstairs i'm like when is this going to end it's supposed to have ended now sir we're going to look into it i'm like has anybody called the police it's <laughs> 3 a.m seriously i understand it's the super bowl but at three in the morning you could turn the music down right they said they were going to call the cops 10 minutes later i did what i know i shouldn't have done i turned to twitter <laughs> i tweeted out if there's any, because it was the DirecTV tent, I'm like, with, if there's anyone with this, uh, from within the sound of this tweet, tweet. from DirecTV, at DirecTV, I tweeted at DirecTV, right. or the NDPD, please make the music stop <laughs> for all that is holy. And I hit send at 3.10 in the morning. I bet you immediately got a get off my lawn tweet. Hashtag get off my lawn. I got three or four yes. of them. You know, that's why you get paid the big bucks, Rich, to get through all this. You know, be more grumpy, <laughs> be more go. old. <laughs> and you know how pissed I was? I'm like, you know, F these people. You right. know, like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, three in the morning. It sounded like a rave, I am, too. It was loud. I it am, was loud. I am totally understanding well, the- of Super Bowl week. I've been through nine of them now. I get it. And it's huge. But. If you're going to be pumping music, do it in a room that is acoustically sound and keeps it in, not in some tent in a baseball stadium across from this massive hotel. Where the Patriots were staying, but they moved Saturday night. No, the Patriots were not in our hotel. I they were the, the G- No, they were not. No, 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 no. The Giants, the Giants were, right were in the door. Marriott. The Marriott. We had some, uh, we had some people who staying in the Westin, which is. That's right there. Was, the Marriott yeah. is in between the Westin yep. and the JW Marriott. They heard it in the they, I mean, we the heard it. We heard it in the Westin. I heard it. I so heard there's it no the, doubt yeah. the Giants heard it in the Marriott. Oh, I was yeah. trying there's to get no into that question. Party. It's it three was. in the morning. Wow. You could not. I mean, and they're like, "Sir, we'll give you earplugs." I'm like, "There are earplugs." <laughs> the windows are shaking. Exactly. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I tweeted it out. Oh my god! And then people throughout the day were, "How much sleep did you get?" All that. I'm like. Shh. I should definitely not have. You should have told me. My friends were doing the PA on that, Rich. I could, have t- I could have totally sent my buddies were on the PA. 3.24 in the morning, it stopped. You got to lower it a little. So I come back after the Super Bowl, okay? I come off. The- I am so wiped out, okay? It was such a long day. Great, exhilarating day. I mean, it's the greatest day of the year. But I'm, you know, I'm not packed yet. 7 a.m. flight home. Two kids on the other side of this flight who do not care about the DirecTV party or seven days of work. They just don't, uh, you know, I, I need to hit the ground running. And I do not sleep. I don't know about you. I can't sleep on planes. I just oh, can't. I'm out. I can't. So uh, I, I know I got to get some sleep. Get back in the room. Thump, 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 thump. The same freaking playlist from the night before because I had memorized it. <laughs> same playlist from the night before. And I'm like, I can't turn to Twitter again. And and sure enough, um, I called downstairs. They moved me to a different room, and I got two blessed hours of sleep, which is crucial 
get on the uh, plane the next day. You know what party was going on? That was the Patriots party. That's what Gronk was dancing to. Yeah. Yeah. That's where their party was. You should have just went and joined them. I should have. Should have just went. Taking off my shirt. shirt. Yeah, should have just lost the shirt. (laughs) Flip it around. (laughs) (laughs) Got a a little LMFO. Oh, man. LMFO. They they were on our flight back, LMFO. Yeah, I know. This is probably not a Oh, they're great. By the way, I wouldn't know them if they hit me over the head with an LMF or an AO. I wouldn't know. This may be inappropriate to have, but. We, we were all, the, the plane wasn't chartered for us, but we had 150 seats on it. So there was a lot of three quarters of the network was yeah, on that. We were all plane. on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but there yeah. were also some other people uh, going back to LA. Madonna's dancers. So we we, we, we posed the question. Marshall, I think, almost had a throwdown with one of them. <laughs> one of the dancers. Yeah, because the dan- the, this guy was really rude, and and Marshall turns to me, sits he sits next to me, he goes, "I haven't had a fight in years, Rich. I almost just had one." <laughs> <laughs> like the guy, like shoved his way past Marshall. I, I mean, it's early in the morning. Oh, Marshall's man. in the morning. Mar- in the morning, hey. don't bother Marshall in the morning. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. Uh, th- w- this may be inappropriate, but that flight, something happens to that flight. Who's the headline on it? Oh, everyone was talking about that. Oh, okay, good. I, w- I didn't want to be the only one Everyone was it. talking about that. I think Marshall's still the headline. I, I agree. Yeah. Who else was on it? Billick. Billick was on it. Uh, Dave Navarro was yeah, on Dave it. Dave Navarro. Navarro. There were some other. That's why I didn't get upgraded to first Dave class. All so you guys are up there. I don't make that list. Yeah, by the way, and, and TMZ was all over our baggage class. Yes. Oh, yeah, they were everywhere. They were how, many, how, many, how, many, how many flights from Indianapolis do the LAX paparazzi <laughs> usually track, by the way? Yeah, no, that, <laughs> not very many. <laughs> <It> was, <you laughs> know, this might have been a first. That was definitely. They were, they were all over. The TMZ paparazzi were all over our baggage claim. Yep. That was, a, that was a great week. Good man. times, good week. man. Good times. Good now we're back for the combine. Oh, back yeah. And take a break. I think next week, what are we doing next week? We don't know what we're doing next week, right? But we're going to, in two weeks, we're going to do. Combine uh, preview. Combine preview. And then we're hoping to do and a we'll get show. Jim Moore, we'll get Jim Moore on to preview the Oscars. Right. I'm going to, uh, we'll call our, maybe we'll get our buddy Dimitrov. We'll yeah. see if he's available. Um, since he's sort of the general I love the, the combine. I saw him in Indy as well. And then we'll see what else we could fill. And then we'll try and put one together from, from Indy. We're just going to catch our breath here. The Combine's the best. I love the Combine. All right. I shall run the 40. That's I can't wait. Oh, have you been training with Gabby Hell at all? No. <laughs> I timed. I was the official timer one of those years, Rich. Done the training. It's, you know how many I'm, people say to me that I should run in, like, regular clothes? I'm like, oh, the whole thing that's that the, Why? Yeah. That, I, I'm, I'm afraid already that this thing is going to jump the shark one year. And I just don't want to, you know... It would definitely jump the shark if I put on, like, regular. Who the hell? Then I'm just a or slow you, you white could, guy. you could put on the T.O. spandex suit. I that think you get an LMFO. I can't even say it. No, I think I think the league's done with them in that stadium. Or MIA. MIA, they're MIA. finished. Sure. I thought She'll uh, be MIA from now yeah, on she's, from the Super Bowl halftime oh. show. It's, I but can't L- LMFAO. My son, my three-and-a-half-year-old son, loves to dance, too. Yeah. I, I hate to admit it, it's a little catchy. Uh, uh, I, I see oh, myself yeah. actually liking the oh, song because it's, no, it's oh, very great. catchy. Yeah. They're great. And that's that's like that's that, that's a jock jam, I think. No, oh, they're great. Instant, it's an instant jock jam. Oh yeah, their song. I mean that that'll be. I, I I'm telling you right now, for sure. In all the NBA playoffs, that is going to be the first song during a timeout that yeah. the opposition has to take when the home team goes on a 9-0 run. Everybody's going crazy. You want to keep the crowd going nuts between the action. They're going to play that song. Love it. I'm telling you, that's my prediction. You guys have nothing else to say on that. All right, we've prattled on long enough. Um, we should just apologize for how long this podcast is going to be. I mean, it's you, a two we, hour. We and may have to split it up. Super Bowl picks for next year? Yeah. Is it too oh. early? I'll do it. What do you got? I'm, I'm putting Green Bay. And? I think New England's going to make it back. What I about, really believe. What about you? I don't Brockman. know. Dude, you suggested it. I know. And, he, and then well, he went out on a limb. This year I said. He went, on a, he went out on a zip I'm line. Gonna, I'm going to do the pick that I made uh, uh, this past year. I said Falcons and Patriots. I'm going to stick to it. What do you got? Uh, I want to say the Eagles chemistry will be better. They'll be there. But uh, I really like – I think the Lions have a legit shot next Ooh. year of getting that. That's a good one. So who That's do you got? One. So the Lions uh, – Wow. I like it. Out of the AFC. You know, the Ravens, I think they're, they're going to get the, better. That's who I'm taking. Step. I'm going to take the Ravens. Um, I'm going to take the Ravens. Against uh, Ravens Packers. Ooh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I like the Packers a lot. Yeah, the Packers. I can't. I they gotta get a running back. Step but, back. Um, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. They're that close. 
they were that. I mean, they're that close. They were that close. But as, as this proved too, if you know, Doesn't none matter. of us said Patriots Giants last year. It just Nobody proves you no want to go ten and six. In- and and I think it's definitely Packers Giants to open the season. They're the really- last two Super Bowl yeah. winners, just like last year's opener. You can't go wrong with that, unless as Peter King's right. Peyton Manning goes to the I Redskins. I do have a little statistic. And, and if, if, if it's Peyton Manning and the Redskins at the Giants to open the season, I'm... Yeah, the, league, the league's not stupid. We, we do have a little statistic, right? too. The, in a sense, NFL Network, when we do games, yeah. teams go to the Super Bowl. This year, we didn't do the Giants. But so what's your point? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world is your point? This thing's it's already... This, already, this show's already pushing two bills, well, and he's I'm, rambling I'm hoping, on about it. I'm what? hoping that I'm back uh, after the, the Goodell photo gets all the way out true. there and yeah, hits the interweb. Done. All the way to the top. That too, I did you, get his approval, though. So, so yeah, that's another thing. People should go to the blog. we got lots of elements, if you will, uh, on the blog. Your, your, uh, photo, your photo booth, booth with the commissioner of the National that's Football League. And, of course, uh, Mike Del Tufo's great <sighs> photographs of my interview with Madonna as I handed him my BlackBerry. Please take as many photographs of this I as possible. No, I'm not. And there were... Eleven photographs of wide shots. I have like Emmys. I them, don't have Paltzers. Like you took them I from the St. Louis Arch. You don't have Emmys for, for photography. No, I, I'm telling you, I don't have Pulitzer prizes. I have Emmys. If Pulitzer's I have Pulitzer. for writing. Is it, I thought they. See, they, they that, and that's why he's in audio again. That's why I'm in audio again. <laughs> Good job. What's the photography one? Great season. Good season. Good Rich. season. Good season. Good season. Mike Del Tufo, Chris Brockman. Same to you. My apologies to your uh, Patriots and Law. You're the you're 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 the man. Chris Law. Appreciate it, Mr. Eisen. Uh, I want to thank everyone else. Let's thank Olmeyer, uh, uh, Rose Garcia, Marcus, Marcus Smith, Smith. Uh, Paul Bozar filled in for the Sarah Yow. Yeah, these are all the sound. Paul, Thur- Paul Thurwalker is our, yeah, who's editor? is our editor. Paul Thurwalker he is kills the TV it editor. In the edit. He's, he's Spo- very good. Spoon helped launch this thing uh, yep. television-wise. Fleshner, all those guys. David Fowler. Fowler. Is, let's just thank him anyway. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the best. And Jordy. Jordy Wimmer many times for the, in the director's chair, really. Really helped us out. But we're not done. We're not done by a long shot, everybody. That's it for the post-Super Bowl edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. Stay listening to 